the Gung Fu Crew Podcast, bringing together practitioners of various styles and schools and their unique perspectives to explore the world of Chinese martial arts. In this episode of the Gung Fu Crew Podcast, we will talk about Bajichuan, a northern style of Chinese martial arts that became famous uh, because it was trained and used by many bodyguards of the 19th, late 19th and then the 20th century. My guest is Vincent May, originally from Taiwan, who is now residing in New York City. He learned um, in the Wutan School of Chinese Martial Arts in Taiwan, which um, goes back to Liu Yunqiao, a uh, famous teacher who learned and taught several styles of martial arts, but was most uh, renowned for his Bajituan, Bajituan and Piguajang, actually, he combined both systems. And through his students, among them famous uh, teachers like Adam Xu, um, his uh, style and, and the Wutan branch um, spread to many other countries, including the United States, but also many European countries and other places. Uh, now, Vincent um, was kind enough to share his insights regarding Bajituan specifically, but also um, the general Wutan school of martial arts. And uh, it's quite interesting um, to look at the entire curriculum But uh, since we want to focus on specific training methods, we will be talking a lot about Bajichuan and how it generates power, how it how it's, uh, it approaches its training within the Wutan training system. As always, I hope you enjoy the episode and um, I hope that you gain insights regarding your own martial arts practice um, as well as specifically Bajichuan and Chinese martial arts in general. Welcome to the Gung Fu Crew podcast, um, uh, Vincent. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. And um, maybe um, just so that the listeners know who I'm talking to, maybe you can give a short introduction of yourself, let them know who you are and uh, what you do. Sure, sure. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Um, uh, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for inviting. And my name is Vincent May, and um, I practice uh, Baji Chuan <coughs> mostly, and um, basically the Wutan system, the Taiwanese uh, Wutan system under Grandmaster Liu Yunqiao. Uh, so Baji, Pigua, Bagua. And um, so those are my uh, main focus. Um, I currently reside in the U.S., uh, live in New York. Uh, I'm in the marketing, digital marketing business. And um, yeah, I've been practicing this particular style and, and um, since uh, since college oh, yeah nice um so before we we go into also your own like learning journey i think that's always interesting but before we do that um maybe let's let's do a bit how a bit of housekeeping um, and talk about martial arts uh, specifically chinese martial arts and also the terminology um Do you have any kind of definition what what constitutes a martial art from your point of view? Like what would a like a training system have to have in order for it, for it to, so that you would call it a martial art? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think there's so many different martial arts. I think martial art developed from cultures, like various different culture has different ways of fighting due to wars or entertainment and. Traditional Chinese martial art is quite unique because it has a strong ties with the history, the culture, especially, you know, like it, with the Taoism, Confucianism, mm. and uh, Buddhism, <clears throat> it has that strong tie. And you can't really derive from that if you want to really dive deeper into Chinese martial art. So I do kind of 
uh, not separate, but I, I view them differently. Like martial art is, if you look at say Krav Maga or or um, a lot of this different martial art, they either develop for strictly combat um, or uh, strictly sports uh, or entertainment, uh, such as uh, wrestling or, or certain styles. Wrestlings are, are developed for entertainment purpose, hmm. and and Chinese martial art obviously like a lot of most people would say are developed on the battlefield, uh, but there's uh, there's more than that. So I feel like um, when you train Chinese martial art, you have to attach with a lot of aspect of the, the culture with it. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be, like what I'm understanding is it wouldn't be a requirement for something to be a martial art to have that cultural aspect. It's just that Chinese martial arts came about in that context, right? If you want to dive deeper into it, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, Chinese martial obviously a lot of people train it uh, for strictly combat, um, just a variation of, uh, of a combat system. Um, but if one wants to dive a little deeper into it, you know, mm -hmm. the language becomes a big part mm -hmm. in understanding that context. Um, I know students who understand, I know students who uh, previously follow a, another teacher who taught the movement or a form or something and named the form by numbers number one number two number three or a b c d e and it completely lost a lot of the, the deeper essence of it it's strictly mm. external movements mm. and sometimes these names uh blends into a deeper uh understanding from inside out synchronization from from the mind and the body and and uh, and And most of the time when people talk about mind and the body, it's not this philosophical or, or mystic way, but it's just a, a better way to, a more direct way to generate power and to apply power inside out. Since you already mentioned names um, or, or also terms, um, what, uh, I mean, I'm assuming since you're in the US that you would mostly use the term martial art as well to call um, to, or to name what you do, but um, are you also referring to this as, as Kung Fu, Kung Fu, Guo Shu, Wu Shu, or what, what are the, usually the terms you would apply to this? Um, I use TCMA, traditional Chinese martial art. Mm -hmm. uh, Kung Fu to me is too broad of a term. Uh, in, in Chinese culture, we, we call a lot of things Kung Fu, like making noodles can be Kung Fu. <laughs> making mm -hmm. can be someone with good Kung Fu, or tailoring someone. Tailoring Sufu can, is, is very good Kung Fu. So, <clears throat> like, what style of martial art do I practice? Sometimes, like, just for better, easier understanding, I sometimes say, say Kung Fu or, or to have a easier, more distinct uh, differentiation. Uh, Kung Fu, Kung Fu. Uh, traditional Chinese martial art is what I what I typically use. Mm. And how how did you so to let's let's maybe switch to your own martial arts journey? How did you get into this? Like, um, what what got you interested in in martial arts practice in the first place? How did you start out? Um, I grew up in Taiwan, and growing up uh, has always always you know in the in the eighties. And, and always been influenced by, you know, movies, cinema, cinema uh, from Hong Kong, Kung Fu cinema, and also um, manga and, and martial art fictions by, by Jin Yong. So always been fascinated by it, but never got a chance to, to learn it when I was in Taiwan. And then when I left Taiwan and came to the States to study, uh, I was in middle school, and I learned a little bit of Muay Thai. 
mm-hmm. in a very for a very short amount of time. And it was in college. I had a classmate who who came from uh, Taiwan who previously trained in uh, authentic seven star praying mantis. And I trained with him at the gym. He te- he taught me some uh, seven star praying mantis um, uh, stuff. And we just trained the gym after school um, every day. And then he mentioned something about body trend. And then he found this book by written by Liu Yinchao, Grand Master Liu Yinchao at the time. And then he got this book and he just trained by the book. And then I didn't know what it was. Then I found my father found a local newspaper. That's when my t- my teacher, my shifu, moved into the next town and he posted an ad. So on the grand opening day, me and my friend, we walked in and then we became Sushongdi. <clears throat> and then uh, ever since, yeah. So, so you you became essentially uh, you, you you were disciples like right away. Or is no, it? no, no, no. It, it, it took it took a while. It took seven okay. years uh, for us to to be yeah. disciples. Yeah. Would have been surprising. Would have been surprising to show up and say, "Hey, you know, let's do this." Right here, here's the incident, and here's the tea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, What was it about uh, Bajichuan though that that interested you? I mean, obviously, you, when you when you started out, I mean, you there was a bit of chance involved, but it was also a decision, right, that you would actually train this. It wasn't. A, it, it was. There wasn't so much about decision on this particular style. Uh, Wutan is a school that, when it established, it's got a mindset of uh, preserving good traditional Chinese martial arts. So Wutan's system had had Baji, Pigua. It even have Tai Chi, the Chen Tai Chi. It has uh, Yang Tai Chi. It has Xing Yi, Ba Gua. It has many different styles, but the core styles are are the the Ba Ji, Pi Gua, Ba Gua, and and those were not really my interests. I just wanted to learn Chinese martial art. And when we first started, we learned we trained in Long Fist, um, and then a little bit of Praying Mantis, a little bit of Tai Chi. So so the method itself is basically quite unique it's basically utilizing various different styles to to train baji chen mm-hmm. so as i mentioned it took us seven years to become disciple but by the time we became disciple we already had a lot of the biomechanics already trained mm-hmm. so in another way I can say this is that ever since day one, when we step into the, the school, a lot of the advanced uh, body trend, biomechanics, and how we move, how we structured, has already been sprinkled in throughout that seven years. So we mm. were already prepped for it. He just never said it. So, but you you would say that body trend is still kind of the maybe has the most impact on on how and, and what is trained because it sounds a bit like what you describe sounds a bit like the logic also of the Jingwu association you know the, like back in the republican times where they said hey let's be a bit more eclectic and use different training methods different forms but have one system one training system but usually baji chuan is the one thing that that kind of stands out and people when people think of wutan it's usually like oh yeah baji pigua as kind of the the formative element yes yes um so <clears throat> so my so there's so many di- different styles of uh, Chinese martial art. And if I have to say something that is uh, unique about traditional Chinese martial art uh, as overall, is Chan Si Jin. So Chan Si is, is what makes Chinese martial art Chinese martial art. And across multiple different styles, they all have this thing called Chan Si. Baji Chen, of course, has Chan Si Jin, has Chen Dui Jin, has all kinds of, you know, its own emphasis of Jin. Mm-hmm. 
But say Taiji Chen has emphasized in China, uh, Chan Sijin, they're the expert in Chan Sijin. Say Pihua Tongbei has their emphasis in in waste generated, you know, power and then mm. with like power. Song, so they have their own way of uh, specializing training. Song. So this is the Wutan system is that there are systems that are emphasizing certain things. Instead of saying in body training, we'll say, okay, we cover these, but we're not we don't have like a, a specialty in, in a specific gene development. It takes longer time. Mm. So if Taiji offers a more concentrated Chinese gene training, let's train in that. If Tongbei Pihua trains to give provides a more more dedicated Songtan, right? That, that sort of training, then let's use that. Mm. So that's how we sort of uh, utilize this sort of uh, mixed martial arts system to stimulate cross-stimulate martial art and then to propel and shorten the training time. Huh. What what did training look like then when you started out? I mean, you said you started with Changchun. Was it in stance training? Was it Tantui-like forms? Or was it... Yeah. Um, what, what? So, uh, Tantui, right? So, Tantui system. I think Long Fist is, uh, like I said, you know, different style offers different concentrated training, you know, methodologies. And, and Changchun offers structure. Right, a very clean structure, gongbu, mahbu, dulibu, like all these are, are very distinct. So it's perfect for someone who's starting out, has no background in Chinese martial art, can develop that, that proper structure. Uh, so that's why Long Fist was taught first. And we started out from Tan Tui, Gong Li Quan, you know, like uh, these, these sort of uh, uh, Long Fist system, the elementary level system to to provide a beginner um, proper structure. Hmm. Basically, stance work. I mean, the stuff that you mentioned, Mabu, Kung Fu, horse stance, bone arrow stance, for in case people don't speak Chinese. Um, would uh, would you would it also already include applications, or was it mostly solo practice, or I mean, practicing maybe forms together, but you know, essentially doing solo practice? Uh, mostly solo practice, and there are two main sets, right? So the purpose of that is that we can look at a lot of the traditional Chinese martial art practitioners now, you know, the schools that emphasize in application or, or, or fighting, sparring. In the earlier time, a lot of students ended up, you can look at it, it, and it ends up not looking like anything that they practice. Hmm. So we try to avoid that. You know, like if we rewind our time, say 200 years ago, China, like rarely people have seen boxing. Like even boxing didn't really look like boxing back then. Mm -hmm. So, so we need to move and and really in order to maximize our style and what they learn. You know, they have to move and no matter no matter defense or offense, uh, footwork, everything has to be in body structure. Everything has to be in that style. So, and that takes a little bit of time to train. You know, even boxing and Muay Thai, it takes years to have the right form. So Chinese martial art is, is no different. Hmm. So we don't introduce sparring or or too much. Like we show application, this is how you use it so hmm. that people understand. Obviously, it helps with the posture and everything and the mentality uh, delivery. But 
but um, not not too much about sparring, so so that you can maintain that structure. We spend more time developing that structure, that footwork, how to move, how to develop power, how to deliver power uh, structure, so that it doesn't get um, affected. Hmm. Not until for maybe to a point where the practitioner has a proper structure then he can benefit, really benefit from other styles, uh, modern style or, or tra other traditional styles. Hmm. How long did it uh, did it take you to then actually get into Bajichuan since you started out with these more basic forms? Um, like I said before, it was it was since day one, it was sprinkled in and that's also affected the way I teach now at Valdez. <clears throat> um, but Real getting to body train is is after Baishu, after our discipleship uh, ceremony. Okay. Yeah. So we look prior, advanced. Prior, prior to that, you know, we learn some forms, uh, a lot of drills, um, but those are those are all the essential things that builds up hmm. to body train. But officially, say, hey, this is you guys now learning body train, but. In, in fact, we've been learning for seven years. Yeah. Did the training then change after you did the Baisha ceremony? Like, mm, Not really. The intensity got a lot, you know, a lot more uh, intense. Yeah. So as you, you mentioned that in the beginning, you don't focus too much on, on sparring, I mean, other than applications. And it also takes a while to get into the specific styles, you know, as you move, move uh, through the curriculum. Um, how does it or what does it look like then when you actually do put more emphasis on the partner training? Is it just like sparring everybody together or do you do this specifically for different styles, different training methods or how do you approach it? Right. The, the partner training, there are a few stages, you know, there could be a two-man set that's already pre-designed, right? That's already pre-designed and, and just A-side and B-side, they basically just do their routine. And it's not completely... Uh, it's not completely uh, ineffective, but that introduced the distance control, right? Mm. So, and and the the movement. So it's basically textbook, right? Those are the textbooks. I also I oftentimes like refer forms as textbooks, right? We go to school, we use textbooks, mm. but you can't use textbook in the society once you graduate it in a, in a job. You could, but it's not as uh, doesn't work that way. So two men sets are like textbooks. So you learn the, the speed control when someone step forward one step, you back up one step, and then you do this, you do that. And so you, un you understand the textbook version of the form, how to apply, how to, how to, how to apply the forms. Then you get into the, the single drill, right? So someone deliver, you know, a random punch or two random punches, three random punches. And then you, you get into, you know, that sort of training. Then we try free sparring. Then you get, you understand, Oh my God, this is completely different, right? So free flow. I don't know what what is coming. Hmm. Then I have a I have a method of you know basically you do what you do, but wait for what you want, right? Because your opponent is going to deliver left, right, whatever kicks. <clears throat> you think about the move that you want to apply. Maybe two moves, not a lot, but then when you just wait for that that cross or you know you just parry 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 and then wait for that cross or wait for that that right kick or something like that um so you're starting to read and understand the timing 
a little bit better. So, but uh, so if I understand you correctly, though, from what I'm inferring from what you said before is that you do this also the solo practice, like you know, practicing yourself to establish form, but also to start to understand the different gin, the different force types that you're trying to develop, and then you know, in, in the partner practice, you can try and, and also apply them and understand what, how they how to use them. Correct. What would you say are there? Because you already mentioned that some certain training methods or styles focus on specific types of force generation and also delivery. So maybe you can dive a bit deeper into Baji Chan specifically and then what it tries to develop and uh, maybe also Baji Pigua because I think in your case it's kind of meshed together, right? In, in your system, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think different style has different flavor, right? Um, The flavor can come to come from you know the, the culture. You know, for example, Baji is oftentimes uh, known as a a Huizhu martial art, which is the Muslim uh, Chinese Muslim uh, community developed yeah. this. Um, Xin uh, Chuan, So even Long Fist, you know, like they they refer as the the Muslim martial art. Uh, it, it comes with a certain you know traits. You know, they're more aggressive. Um, because of that that whole background about the confucianism the taoism that whole stuff but when it comes to the muslim martial art it's not those three it's 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 the muslim sort of the the cultural influence so body chen itself uh if i have to say what is body chen like body chen is as the name refers to is eight extreme right mm -hmm. so it's power expand in all directions it's like a grenade so if say uh, seven star praying mantis is very fast uh, it, it strikes five five strikes at once every every strike delivers five five punches so <clears throat> so that's like a machine gun or wing chun is like a machine gun uh, it's very fast hmm. um, body chun is like a grenade or bagua can be like a tornado you know it sucks your opponent in um, tai chi is like water or whatever um, body chun is like a grenade you basically place yourself close distance into your opponents taking over your opponent's territory and they explode hmm. and that explosion means that no matter it's a punch or or whatever you, you do it doesn't just have one-sided power it goes in all direction it just poof, it just explodes so so that's what we call the the bao zha jin, and that can be developed from we call it shi zi jin, the the up down left right. You basically do the expansion, like like a cross, right? Like an like an X, like a like a, like a cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, in in Tai Chi, you call it pong jin, right? So so that's a the similar type of uh, mindset. We just call it shi zi jin, uh, but in a more extreme matter. So to train upon, you know, we have a very complete system to develop various different jin, right? So we have the three very uh, essential jin, the shizhi jin, as I mentioned, and then the chen zui jin, which is the, the sinking strength, which many styles has it too, yeah. and, then, uh, and then the chan si jin. So the shizhi jin and chen zui jin, they're more static. Chan si jin is what comes in between from movement to movement. You want to go from point A to point B. You're in your in your motion. You need Chan Si Jin to to deliver. And we have this drill called Ma Bu Chong Chui. Essentially, it's a it's a punch and in a squatting position, and you just deliver punches and have different just take strides forward. Mm. And that itself includes. It, it looks like someone holding a spear. It's similar to Xin Yi's uh, drill set, but in the Ma Bu. 
fashion. Xin Yi has the the sleeve bu or or the shoe bu. The body train has ma bu. So we just basically do that walk, quote quote unquote walk, and that itself has everything in there. It's in motion. We call it 活装 right? So a lot of times people say 站桩 and static. Although the the internal has a lot of movement, but it takes time for someone、mm-hmm. who's a beginner to understand, you know, static static posture,、um, staying there for half an hour, an hour, right? So like it takes a, a bit of the time to really understand what's going on.、Mm-hmm. But 活装 is our approach. Basically, you're doing a 装 but in motion. Yes, it's li- living. Living is a living pole, then, right? Like a or, yeah. From, yeah, or a life.、Uh, Life. life pole, yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. So, so that is our go-to drill. You train that in day one. I still train it after almost thirty years of of practicing this.、Um, the more you practice, the more you discover. And、mm. this basically, this drill set has、uh, you know encompass a lot of the body training essence from lower level all the way to advanced level. Interesting. I like the I like the separation into these three basic forces because it's it 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 also it does、um, also relate very much to to also our Chen style Tai Chi practice and and other styles, especially the sinking force, like you mentioned, super super essential for a lot of training methods, at least northern Chinese. But yeah, that's 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 really nice. And、uh, you mentioned already like a similarity to Xingyi with this. Is 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 Bajichuan also kind of spear heavy in a sinking? Is it、uh, like? Was it yeah, influenced? Okay,、um, just like Xingyi or Xingyi,、uh, body training clearly was evolved from spear.、Mm. Our ancestors were all great spear fighters, and and these are, I mean, try not to dive too much into the history, but、yeah. uh, some of the movement, the power generation, and also the the advanced level,、uh, we use da chang, like a three hundred centimeter、um, long pole to、mm. to train. We call it, you know, that's our version of weight training. But we don't introduce that early because, you know, if you don't have that body mechanic、um, or so-called the muscle memory, or we call it the the structural memory, you will rely on your arm muscle to to wield the dachang, this heavy、yeah. dachang,、um, until one has developed a really smooth, you know, or natural. Body mechanics. Then, when you wield the dachang, you use your entire body, and you have this added weight, and that increases your gongli,、mm. your power, precision of of this body movement.、Um, yeah, it's it's very much evolved from dachang. You know, like you know the the you know from dynasty to dynasty, they always wanna the new dynasty emperor always wanna like just wipe out all the previous dynasty、um, martial artists. Because、mm. they have、uh, the ability to rebel, so they all fled everywhere into the disguise as civilians or whatever, or, or went into a temple, you know. And then they have to teach empty hand, and then that's how a lot of these styles sort of like evolved into、mm. empty hand styles. And, and in my mind, I mean, I, I mentioned before we started the podcast, I do have a bit of training in, in Bajichuan behind me, also in the in the Wutan line, and it always struck me that the logic of the training. Felt a bit similar to Xingyi,、uh, also in the in this regard that you have very basic movements. I mean, outwardly very basic movements in the beginning that you really focus on to understand the mechanics. And then,、um, I mean, back then when we trained, it was we had I think like eight movements, then put it together, and then you had the first small form. 
um, which I, I found very similar to Xingyi with the five fists, and then you put it together, and then you have the Lian Huan Quan. So it's, I yeah. mean, I don't want to talk about the historical connections, if there are any, but in, in terms of the mindset, it seems uh, a bit similar in terms of how you approach this. Yeah, these are these are so-called the, the Northern styles, right? So the Northern style has a commonality of utilizing drill sets, single yeah. movement drill sets, and then they document it with forms, right? So certain forms were, were put together um, for easier teaching, maybe. Mm. Uh, I refer, I, I use the analogy of textbook. <clears throat> the, um, yeah, the, basically, I think Xingyi and Baji are very similar, right? So I think Xingyi's drill set, to me, is more difficult to understand for by a beginner. Mm. I think Baji Xuan is, is very good in terms of its movement and structural explanation is very easier understanding understood by elementary level or beginners and then as it moves forward to advanced level we no longer use mabu hmm. our mabu sort of becomes a, we call it the bukongbuma because it's not gongbu it's not mabu so it's a bit in between so what is it it's it's more like a 40 60 weight distribution it huh. becomes closer and closer to xing yi chuan Mm, interesting. So to me, these two styles, no matter how you ent enter the style you train upon, these two particular styles becomes very similar. And if you dive into the history, they're very similar in terms of uh, that that whole spear mindset, right? The body mechanic, the spear mindset, you know, the 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 fa jin, the the chan, the circular, um, you know, energy. So mm. they're almost. Um, in many ways, they're very identical. Uh, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. yeah. so you you did mention forms. Um, how, how much? How much? Or how many forms like, would would be in your body system? We have. We only have four forms. To be honest, I think there are three forms, and then the fourth one were created later on. Mm. So we have Xiao Baji, <coughs> or in China they call it Xiao Jia, right? Then we have Da Baji, Da Jia, then uh, the Liu Da Kai. Yodakai is a drill set, but but it's mainly on, uh, as the name refers to, it's uh, suggested, it's uh, the open door. You know, teach you the method, how to open, enter your, your opponent's uh, gate. Mm -hmm. And then there's Lian Huanquan. Lian Huanquan was later on developed in Taiwan, but um, this set was, was pretty well put together. Uh, it's basically a, a validation of, of uh, a more advanced level of expression. And you... People hear about the Baji and Pigua. They're completely different, drastic, diff drastically different styles, but yet they complement 100% with each other. So this, <clears throat> so this Lian Huanquan has a lot of that Baji, Chan Pigua elements to it. Mm -hmm. It's no longer that that um, it's still explosive, but it, you're able to. It's advanced level, so you're able to switch it on and off with the with the body and pigwa practice. And pigwa okay. is a, is a mm -hmm. requirement. Uh, so that, that's what I was uh, what I thought about asking. So. I guess the idea is then, I mean, when people practice Baji and Pico together, then they would have, would create this form to maybe also cement this combination and show people how to actually put it together. Yes, yes, but it, it's very subtle. It's on the transition. It's how mm. you switch between Songjin, 
right? So a lot of people say they would create a form like Baji Piwa, so you can visually see, oh, that's Baji, okay, and then you have, you see a move come after his Piwa move, but it's not really that. It's not really the, the, the something that you can see. It's in the transition that's really benefiting between the two styles. Mm -hmm. And as for, for weapons practice, I mean, you already mentioned the Dachang or the, or this, um, the, the lance or great spear. Um, is Baji heavy on, on weapons training other than that? Or is it um, auxiliary just like for people who are interested? Or Yeah, I mean, Qiang is, um, obviously Dachang is, is very long to carry around. It's not easily, you know, it's not mobile. So they develop in Taiwan right now. I have a few Kung Fu brothers. They spend decades to develop uh, to bring back this Da Chang as a sport, as a competition sport. So, so I think that they're, they're already seeing quite a success on it. So people practice Da Chang with, with body training. Um, but we also have the normal, you know, seven foot or six foot uh, long spear. We call mm -hmm. it Liu He Chang or Hua Chang. Um, there you learn more techniques, um, because it's shorter you can it's easier to carry around and you have more techniques that's involved Dachang's also a lot of techniques but it's more uh simplified but it requires a lot more internal um practice yeah. and we have the the short staff we have the uh the sword sword is a big part in time we practice Kung Jin. um Yeah, so for in our Baji aspect, we have the, the Jian and Qiang, okay? And then if we have Piwa Tao, we have other, you know, then the, our Bagua system has all the smaller weapons of Bagua system, you know, the right. the Endler knives, the, you know, the needles, the, the hooks. But we don't have that, you know, the ginormous Bagua Tao, but we don't have any of the bigger, bigger weapons. So we got all the small weapons. Okay, I see. Hmm. I'm also asking because you already mentioned that your your Da Chang training or your your lance or big spear training is kind of your idea of weight training, and that seems to be a commonality in a lot of styles that actually weapons because let's face it a lot of these weapons don't have much of an application today and in today's times, but they are still used quite often as strength training, um, especially I mean in in Chen style we have the Da Gun which is essentially the same idea I mean you don't have a spear tip but it's also three meters and it's super heavy and and hard to move around. Um, But do you any do you do any other specific weight training? Do you have a traditional weight training, or do you include modern modern types of weight training? Um, um, I don't suggest it, mainly because it's hard to avoid. I mean, to be honest, in, in today's age, that's always a, a hot topic. Mm. What do you do as a supplemental, you know, for for weight training? I don't weight train at all but yet I can generate power that, that is way beyond my size. And, and our teacher, my, my teacher was, uh, he forbid it weight training. Um, I think the biggest part about weight training is that it, I mean, the whole science of fitness has, you know, evolved and, and has advanced so much today. I mean, I, I have seen very good weight training method that can really supplement traditional martial art training. For example, a lot of the, the functional training today mm -hmm. using kettlebells and, and a lot of the methods can be applied and beneficial to martial art. I guess anything that utilizes your entire body works. Yeah. 
anything and, and, and traditionally like they have like uh you know they, they hold the the, the stone um you know the stone weight and, and things yeah. like that you know there were there were traditional weight trainings before and as long as you utilize your entire body what i really against is uh is isometric like you only focus on a certain larger muscle groups hmm. uh, for example a bench press or or the the leg push you just lay down there and then use your leg to to push yeah. so those are very uh targeted practice and it will create an imbalance in your body um, yes, you will gain a lot of power in a certain part, but uh, it also creates, you know, like a like a imbalanced strength. Yeah. You will have overstrength in one part of the body and, and weaker on the other part, and mm. they're not cohesively trained. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned also the stone locks because some of the exercises look very much like like modern kettlebell exercises, like what, yes. what people did before. Yes, and. Uh, Yeah, I guess there's a, that, that also seems to be quite common that people usually say also you want to do strength training where you actually move, you know, where you're not completely static because it's um, yeah, at the end you need movement, right, to generate power. So that also totally makes sense. Yeah. And um, how, uh, how about conditioning or like, like hardening the body? Is that part of body um, chuan or of, of the other um, methods that you use? Is it? Not a lot. Traditionally, yes, uh, but more so on the piwa, piwa side. Okay. Right, so piwazang because your your body is like whips, so you're using your arms to whip your opponent, mm. <laughs> but you can't whip your opponent with with uh, you know soft skin, soft you know not in uh, like non conditioned um, arms. Mm. So piwa comes with a lot of like palm conditioning and things like that. Um, baji, you know, most people know baji because of its elbow strike, right? So a lot of times i would say if you take so and so's demonstration if you take away his elbow attack does that still look like body trend to you if the answer is no then that's not real body trend but anyway the the body trend attacks only in spots that are they're not protected by thick pads of muscles or bones um it's just through years of training you just don't even see those body parts as your target Hmm. The lower plexus, the the two sides rib cages, the, the neck, the the face. You know, like we don't we don't strike punches to the side. You know, we strictly do a, a palm strike onto the face. Um, so no, no to body conditioning. Elbows strikes is the, I mentioned elbow strike because you know that's the hardest part of your body. There are knee strikes um, a bit. So no, like not not needed. Interesting. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you don't need a lot of conditioning to hit someone with the elbow so that it hurts. You just need power. Right. Yeah. Um, how is, uh, what does, what, how does health feature into your training? I mean, this is a question that I, I always ask people because a lot of people, I think, are also not drawn to martial arts, especially Chinese martial arts or traditional martial arts because of the, they think like, oh, this is so healthy, the practice. And I, I mean, I guess it can be, but it always interests me how different training methods also think about health. And also, I mean, you already mentioned that, for example, body one doesn't have a lot of conditioning because styles that do, they also have to be careful not to actually damage yourself by doing all the conditioning. So there's also a sort of sometimes a trade-off. But yeah. is it, do you, do you have specific exercises in the system where you think, oh, let's do this for health practice? Or would you say, no, the entire system can be healthy if it's trained properly or it should be? Or is it like a, a side thing? Yeah, um, 
that's another <clears throat> there's another difference major difference between chinese traditional chinese martial art versus any other martial arts that there's a very important concept is that we call it in chinese that say uh the the, the western sports how how means to consume no matter what sports swimming running sprinting tennis basketball it, it, it consumes your body so when, when one is that's why uh, you know you can you have to retire or someone who an athlete oftentimes has an injury <clears throat> that's you know that they carry for a long time and if you practice chinese martial art in the right way it should be yang yang means to nurture okay so so that's the that's a major effect and also that should be something that to validate you know if you're practicing correct or incorrectly this should be a lifestyle this should be part of you can it be functional yes it could be functional but then the functionality shouldn't just be a combative aspect of it it should also be cultivating and nurturing your your, your general health hmm. um body trim for example it's it's considered one of the most effective combat style in chinese martial art uh, it's also called the, the bodyguard style right so they don't choose wing chun as bodyguards but they choose body chun. so it, it's it's known to be very effective very destructive um very powerful but yet we're not the way we practice is, is very much uh, aligned with you know um say the bakwa say the tai chi the internal styles that are that are less uh, damaging to the body. Um, the explosion aspect of it is the sizijin. Your, your head is always up. So your bone alignment is, is always in check, right? So you never like, like every time when someone's head is down when they're practicing, I always joke around, you, you, that person is practicing a qi ji chen instead of ba ji chen, right? So they're missing one direction. Mm -hmm. power. So that explosion is incomplete. So for, for the for the for the non-Chinese speakers, you have to explain like it's the seven, right? Qi right. Qi. Because it's, because then it looks like the the neck uh, sticking forward and not like uh, upright with the with the cross. Yes. yes. So so it's like a, like a like a bomb when when they explode, you cover one side with a with a plate, a right. plate or something. So it's 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 not uh, it's incomplete. So so posture itself it has a, that that great influence you always you know posture is correct you know aligning yourself you're always balanced same thing with tai chi practice your head has to be like shuling ding jin your you know so so shoulders always relax <clears throat> so you're not tense so so just from a re relaxation aspect of it it's already a a huge benefit you know and mental health and then and then you have uh you know the movement the muscle training so you, your your heart rate increases but also the channeling of the mind to different various different parts of the body similar to that uh, a yoga can can achieve right so you use external movement to stimulate your internal uh, organs where a lot of the the modern sports doesn't offer that uh, modern sport can channel lungs and heart that's it so in traditional martial art, you can use movements to stimulate your liver, stimulate your your kidney, right? So various different parts of the body. Yeah, because it's also integrated with the theory of Chinese medicine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I like the I like the the, the analogy with the, with a bomb going off and, and you you know having a lid on one side because I I I 
did have the experience. It's not just in solo practice when you practice something like Fajin, because I mean, Fajin is famous for the explosive power, but also when you also when you practice with someone else and then you try to apply force, but your posture is off. Yeah. It's very likely that you will hurt yourself if you have yeah. power. Yeah. And my impression is that also yeah, in, in many, many sports, also modern combat sports, I mean, some people develop good structure, but it seems a bit accidental because they don't really focus on it. And then some people don't develop good posture and they hurt themselves by trying to bring in power, even though... The, oh, yeah. let, let me add one part, because I know you have a lot of listeners, and I think this can be beneficial uh, to, to that analogy of the bomb, like when you express power. So one thing about body Chuan is that if you punch, say, 80 pounds or 100 pounds on one side, you want to apply the same 100 pounds on the other side, mm. up and down, left, right, front, back. So what is in the middle? It's your brain. So if you apply Fajin too excessively on one side, your brain in the middle gets shocked. Mm. So over time, through stumping, through Fajin, shaking, you know, your brain is in the middle, like, like basically you're killing your brain cell every day. But if you have the proper alignment, proper concept of Fajin, you always have that equal amount of power. Your brain in the center is just like a tornado eyes. It's the it's the calmest, so it doesn't it doesn't get any gets shook or get a, doesn't get affected. So you don't mm -hmm. have to kill your brain cells every day. So that is a very important concept to to training anything that is fajin related. So you must make sure your brain is in the middle of power that are expressed in different directions, so it stays safe. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Maybe a training method would be then when people do it improperly, you always give them a shot of hard al alcohol because that's what they're doing, right? They're killing <laughs> brain cells in that moment so that they realize, oh, I did it again. In that case, it's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe a good thing. Uh, in the beginning, you mentioned when you talked about martial arts uh, in, in in general, in Chinese martial arts, you mentioned that they obviously were created in a culture that was heavily influenced by also certain you know, philosophies or, or philosophical concepts coming from Confucianism, Buddhism, and so on. Mm. Uh, I think there's still also a strong idea that traditional martial arts lend themselves also for mindfulness practice or, has, or that they have these spiritual qualities. Would you say that this is part of the training? Is it... Do you have specific forms of meditation or, or mindfulness practices that you also do that you include? Or is this something that is more in personal development at some point that you maybe take it in that direction if you want to? Okay, so this that's a really good question because mind and body, mind controlling body, I mean that that's a you know no-brainer, right? You want your your right arm to raise, you have to your brain has to tell it to do so. And a lot of these sort of the internal practice is that you, you, your mind is thinking, is channeling, you know, certain, you focus on certain part of the body. And that plays a huge part in application. Right? If you want to strike a certain part, you have to think. For example, the most commonly um, uh, used analogy is that even in karate, if you want to strike someone on the chest, you have to think you're striking someone in the back so the power can go through. So I think everybody who are listening this uh, on this uh, can understand that part. So that is the, an example of mind channeling power. Um, so it plays a big part in, in, in traditional Chinese martial art practice is that through movement, you need to constantly engage your brain, right? <clears throat> so 
whether it's slow movement or or fast movement i mean slow movement obviously is a lot easier so that way we can really use slower movement to train your mind and body become become uh, working together so <clears throat> if you want to use your bait your your back to to do a cow right so you don't want to just use your shoulder so it's not really just you know, cut and dry, I'm, I'm using my shoulder to check somebody, but instead a lot of the call is your entire back. And in order to deliver that, your mind has to think about that entire piece of your back from your shoulder all the way down through your back, all the way to your, your core, your hip to deliver that call. Hmm. That mind mindset, if that mindset wasn't there, your application is discounted and your movement couldn't be there. So the mind and body needs to be, we call it liu he, right? So the nei san he, wai san he. So it's like mm, the, the internal, internal three linking and the external three linking. Mm. These six has to be all in harmony in order to deliver the most optimal um, effect. Um, so yeah, I think to us, like mind and body should be trained in movements. It should be everywhere in our training doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a lot of people think about the mindfulness and the, you know, you think about the meditation, uh, not necessarily, you know, it should always be there when you're doing your forms or movement practice drills, even applications. So that intention has to be there. That's interesting. Um, I think, I don't know if you mentioned it in a podcast, but Nabil, uh, who was on the, on the second episode, he often mentions like neuro mapping, you know, making connections between what you're thinking and, and what and how you're moving. Yes. Um, and I think maybe the, the maybe there's a misunderstanding then coming in from the outside that people always assume that it automatically becomes spiritual. But I think that maybe it's then more the personal expression, right? But you do have the you do have yeah, these connections more, there. It's more plain. It should be more uh, easier, e easily understand understood than. Um, then creates something that that's a little bit more more you know harder harder to understand more spiritual mm -hmm. so that's why we we try not to you know get into too too much of a spiritual aspect of it when i mentioned about the the confucianism uh, like the taoism aspect of it it's more so like confucianism essentially affects you know the entire culture of like everyday like the way we behave the way we mm -hmm. speak Way we interact like it's it's there the Taoism as well Buddhism as well it's more passive right so in comparison to the Muslim martial art they're more aggressive maybe because they're a minority in in in, uh, in China constantly have to, to to defend themselves from other tribes um, just the general Han's uh, Chinese mentality is always more more passive hmm. yeah so that evolving to our martial art so that's why it's always more reactive driven if someone punches then i react this way body Chuan and xing yi they're like okay i'm coming at you so it's more offensive trip so that's the the part where the culture influence um you know influence the the martial art development mm. that's a more subtle thing actually than yeah, than some people then try to take it literally and <laughs> make it into something else <laughs> All right. How 
what 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 direction do you hope for you know we're talking about chinese martial arts here traditional martial arts you also mentioned or both mentioned combat sports you know modern combat sports mm -hmm. that seems to be a big discussion like where where is martial arts going and in, in general like what, what are you hoping for um, regarding the traditional martial arts community what what should happen or what are you hoping for that uh, could happen in the future that would be beneficial um I think, yeah, martial art development is part of the culture, part of the history. And every throughout every era, there's a huge, you know, change, right? So, for example, Qing Dynasty, martial art, Chinese martial art was at its peak because you cannot carry weapons. The Manchurians came by and just say you can, you're allowed to practice this, but empty-handed. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the underground Uh, rebellion force, you know, they're training secretly underground. Um, most of the Southern style was influenced by that. And then because of that rebellion movement, you know, it got widespread uh, underground. And then in the North, essentially, you know, all these weapons set becomes empty handed. And when you have things evolve into empty hands, it gets more sophisticated. Mm. Uh, then the Yang Taiji, the more Tai Chi aspect of theory comes comes about. Then you have Swaijiao. Then when you comes to the Republic time with the with the guns and you know the the co weapons and, and martial art becomes you know less uh, less influential, less important. <clears throat> Then every era has its own you know uh, influence to martial art development, whether it's destructive or or enhance it, enhancing it. In today's age, I think we're Although seemingly it's in a, in a decline, but I feel like with the power of internet, you know, that's what we have in today's generation. It also gets like widespread. And I think because of the internet, it kind of introduced and promotes Chinese martial art like never before, globally. And and I have a I have a platform uh, called Baji Shu, and mm. basically it was developed during the pandemic. And I myself never thought, you know, this thing can be taught remotely. And it happened to work on the earlier I mentioned about a lot of the drill set, the structure development, biomechanic development. Those are not necessarily required to have, uh, you can train individually to, to mm. spend about one to two years of time to dedicate it into developing this, these, uh, these good habits. <clears throat> And then you can take this developed structure and then apply, you know, to with with various different methods, uh, whether you have a partner or not. So I do think the internet can help promoting this. Um, that's the the biggest advantage we have in today's age, like this podcast, for example. Um, And having this whole MMA with the MMA fighter challenging uh, fake masters in China, that also gave uh, a lot of the Chinese martial art a, a wake up, wake up call. Mm. And I think that's a good thing. And it's also because of the internet, right? So internet yeah. basically spread that around. Um, so even Taekwondo um, in Korea, they used to be very competition driven. You know, in today's, you can still you can start to see Taekwondo getting more and more uh, validated through combat. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a wake up call to across the board in Eastern martial art. And it's a, it's a good thing. And I do think um, Chinese martial art can is here to stay. 
and it will be continue to evolve as it has been in the past 2000 years. And what to say that whoever, whatever we learn from our, our teacher or grandmasters should stay the same, exactly the same, right? Uh, I do believe we should learn the authentic way and then evolve upon, hmm. right? I don't believe in learn it for two days and then just say, I can evolve it. Uh, yeah. You have to understand something in order to, to elevate. Uh, it should be elevate um, continuously. And, and, luck, and fortunately, I've been seeing young coaches uh, in Taiwan, in China, they are all thinking the same way. They are very open-minded, but also properly properly trained. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's a very nice closing statement because um, I, I'm I'm hoping with this podcast also, you know, to connect people who train Chinese martial arts, traditional martial arts, or people who are interested in this, and also you know maybe give them a bit of you know, quality content. Also, you know, to check their own training and think like, oh, okay, is this the right direction? Is this what I'm wanna, what I want to do with this? And I agree. You know, the internet actually can be very beneficial. Also, with the online teaching, it's yeah, yes. it's great. Well, I mean, obviously, it comes with the negative side too. <laughs> it, yeah. It, yeah, it usually does. I mean, yeah, and also what you mentioned, you know, with, with wow. MMA, and you know, then maybe right now Chinese martial arts are a bit of in a decline. But I think you're, you're right. I think it's it's here to stay, and and I definitely hope it is. But I also believe that it it can stay because it still has a lot of value to offer. And yes. Yeah. Sure. Thank you very much for the insights into into your training and into into Bajichuan specifically but also you know the, the Wutan system and uh, yeah maybe that's uh, you know maybe we'll see each other maybe even in person at some point but also thinking uh, in terms of the podcast maybe with one of the later episodes where we dive deeper into some of these topics of course could be nice and, uh, looking forward to that and until then have a good time and and keep training and teaching and uh, all right all the best Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you had a great time. The next episode will air next month. And until then, feel free to check out our Instagram account where we also feature some of the people we talk to, other practitioners and teachers of Chinese martial arts, and anything else that might be interesting in the world of Kung Fu. Thanks, take care, and hope to meet again.